We survived, you and I, and those who survive have a duty. Our duty is to do our best to keep on living, even if our lives are not perfect. Haruki Murakami. Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Prince Edition. Book Two, Episode Six, Heart of a Titan. Everybody, we are back again. Welcome to Bending Not Breaking. This is Ben Pruitt, your host. And as promised, I am so excited to welcome back Jason Simpson, the voice of Viren, among many other voices, among many other various media. Jason, welcome back. How is how is life right now? <laughs> uh, so first of all, it's nice to be back. Thank you uh, once again for having me. This is a great honor for me. I love talking about this with you. Uh, such a different uh, and um, thoughtful and approach to this kind of stuff. So um, very glad to be here. Life is great. Uh, I have plenty to complain about, but uh, I have more things to be grateful for. So that's, uh, I, I always appreciate that balance more. So, Well, let me upset that balance a little bit. What, what's, what's your biggest complaint right now? Um, as, as someone who loves, not lives for, but close to, uh, acting Mm -hmm. loves to do that work. Uh, I'm just not doing enough of it. Mm. So, you know, I'd like to be, you hear about actors auditioning lots in the, and the, the ratio of auditioning to acting is, I mean, it's so out of balance. It it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, I just want to balance that out a bit more and, book more of the things I'm auditioning but that's an ages old um desire and it's it's been my entire career most almost every actor's career we just audition a whole lot more than we book that's super neat in mine so if I were to complain my mine would kind of be the opposite I'm like ready to retire over here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you you want more work and I want to like you know just cook all day and go play disc golf um but yeah, it's just interesting when you have meaningful work, uh, yes. it is a lot more compelling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, but hey, cooking all day and disc golf, that sounds good. Yeah. If I ever come your way, I'll, I'll invite you out for a game of disc golf. We can have it out. It'd be great. Um, we, have, we have many uh, courses here. so. Well, that's just reason enough. Courses? <laughs> courses in disc golf? Yeah, 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 just like golf courses. Just okay. Well, I, you know, I called it frisbee once, and uh, wow, did I ever get a shellacking from someone? Yeah. It is not frisbee. Yeah, uh, I I used to call it froth. So frisbee, froth. frisbee golf. <laughs> and the more I play, and the more people I come in contact, the more dirty looks I get when I. I, when like I that. That. So it's kind of been cultivated out of me. <laughs> uh, but now I've just reverted to Dolph, and so it is what it is. <laughs> Grisby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so okay, okay, okay. So today right. we're ta- we're talking about duty. Duty is our lens for the day. I'm. 
I'm curious, we kind of leaned on you for perspective, uh, <laughs> perspective on perspective from you last week. And I'm curious um, for you to hear a story about what kind of duty means to you from, from your life and from your experience. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a, I'm going to be a bit of a broken record and talk about sort of the same uh, thing as we go through this, but um, you know, I talk about my family and my kids a lot. Um, and my kids, uh, I think when a, when a parent, when their child arrives, finally, they, um, there is that sense of duty. You see this child and you go, wow, my life has changed. Um, but I remember, um, my kids, um, come from, uh, they come from Africa. So when I first met them, they were three and six, and it was, uh, it was an absolutely one of the most beautiful moments of my life ever. But it went so differently than I thought it would, because I'm an emotional guy. I cry during commercials. I cry during movie trailers, like full streaming tears. I can't help it. And I love it. I love that about me. And I just get very emotional. And I knew, and I think people who know me well said to me, oh, you're going to be just a bawling mess when you meet your kids for the first time. And when they walked in the room, I had that overpowering sense of duty. I realized all of a sudden it hit me. I am in charge of their lives. Uh, I, I need to teach them, protect them, love them. I had no tears. It was this, just this sense of literal duty. It is my job, my duty to do this hmm. because they are helpless without that and I took this responsibility so strongly in the moment and of course you know you fail as a parent you fail all the time yeah yeah every day and I do and every day I, I try to apologize to my children uh, and that plays into that duty it teaches them about humility and about being mm -hmm. imperfect and about making mistakes but moving forward and that is part of that duty so that's the very very first thing I always think of when I when I think of duty um Oh, yeah. so many cool threads we could pull on there. I, mm -hmm. The the one that kind of just resurfaced at the very end was, I, I think we have a duty as caregivers and as people responsible for children, whether we're parents or we're just responsible for children and via work, yeah. that it's we don't have a duty to be perfect. We have a duty to, you know, we have a duty to mess up. Right. So that we can show them, and like, we have to be, I don't, I mean, we're going to mess up regardless. It's part of the human, it's human nature to mess up, but I think we have, we have a duty to do that so that we can teach them how to mess up. Yeah. Right. Because the, the duty lies not in messing up, but in showing them how to recover and how, to, right. how do you live with mistakes? Right. And I, I heard that through what you were, what you were talking about. And it just is help me kind of parse this out from your, from your perspective. Mm -hmm. I heard that you are a very emotional person and that when this sense of duty kind of washed over you, that emotion that people anticipated and potentially you anticipated did not <laughs> emerge. That's right. Right. And so I'm curious, what is the relationship between duty and our emotions? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? 
yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know why, I don't know why one took over the other. I don't know if they, can they not live uh, together? Are they, you know, exclusive? Um, I don't think so. But in that moment, uh, yeah, in that moment, it wasn't this, I was anticipating massive waterworks and blubbering. And uh, I think that just the sense of the responsibility all of a sudden manifested in these two little human beings who walked in the room who I'd never met before. Yeah. They walked in the room and I went, oh, this is my life now. And I was, I, this makes me want to cry. Um, now. Yeah. Uh, just seeing these two just, you know, seemingly perfect little people. And I was like, this is the rest of my life. And I could not have been happier. Um, but that did not, it, that did wash over me, that feeling, but not the, you know, the expressing it by yeah, <laughs> bawling my face off, which I do in a movie. This was real life. It, the, the stark reality of it hit me very, very strongly. And I say that in the most positive way, of course. It was just a wonderful experience. And since then, of course, uh, I think about my kids and uh, I, it brings me to tears of how, how much joy they bring me. And we have our ups and downs, of course. But um, the joy I just feel in my heart is uh, that brings me to tears now. But back then it was just, you have to do right by these two people. Yeah, well, and I, I want to explore that as we dive into this episode. I want to explore the, just based off of your story, I want to explore the relationship between our emotions and a sense of duty and how they play together, if they play together at all, or if there's like, nope, hard line, mutually exclusive. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious, but let's uh, venture forth into the realm of the episode and mm because there's a lot of parallels between your story and King Harrow, right? Because we, we right. See, like the lineup between him and his relationship with Callum. And I just, it's really interesting. I'm, ex I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. But first we have a responsibility to do the 30 second recap. And last week you went first and you did really well. Oh, thank you. How do you feel? Do you feel like you want to go first this time or no first? No, you go first. Don't be a chicken. Go first. Well, I'll be the chicken. <laughs> I, well, I mean, last time you, you had just as much of a reaction there and I'm just, <laughs> and then you changed it, makes, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I, I'm reacting this way because I'm nervous because you do such an excellent job. And of course you say, Oh, Jason, you did great. Let's be honest. Listeners. Mine was terrible. Ben's is very fulfilling and it gives us lots of info i'm gonna forget so much stuff ben you go first so i can steal from you well i i have a duty then to do do my best here yes all right so i'm gonna start a clock in three two one okay so callum opens a letter there you know he's loved unconditionally and there's a lie a wish and a secret and then Viren continues to recap the thing and then titan knocks out amaya and then sarai goes for the kill and then gets amaya's help after she wakes up and then they celebrate and then amaya is hurt and Hera's like no 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 no, wounded left behind bad idea and Viren's not happy and then Hera says true strength comes from love and vulnerability quoting Brene brown and then sunrises and zadia and thunder arrives and you know the, the dragon not like actual thunder but also thunder and lightning and then you know women win am i right anya denies viren and you know callum learns about kiaveros okay that's it oh man okay you think yeah i can top that all right good 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 <laughs> competition okay let me know when you're ready uh all right okay 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 here 
We on your mark, get set. Oop, oh, I gotta, I gotta start to stop it. No reset. <laughs> okay. On your mark, get set. Okay, Viren uh, sums up a great deal of the story by saying it is ultimately a story of sacrifice and love. Uh, um, he, he and uh, the Harrow have this uh, conversation. Uh, we leave no one behind, but we do not leave our wounded. Oh, you wouldn't do this if it wasn't your wife's sister. And he says, I've made my decision. It's fine. So we see this power shift constantly, no matter where they are. Uh, Vilas on the boat says, look at yourself. Who are you? What do you stand for? You know, wherever the, the river takes you, this is where you were always meant to be. And I think this uh, shadows a lot of what's going on in the story. And then at the very end, uh, Viren loses his cool and calls everyone cowards and traitors. And he storms out of there like a petulant child. <laughs> That's good. That was everything in 33 seconds. That was awesome. 33. Oh. That was really close, though. That was good. I'll do better next time. I think I was one second over, too, so it's no worries. Um, well, great. We all, I mean, that's, that's the recap. We're done. We don't need to do anything else, right? That's yep. That's the um, story. Just kidding. We have a duty to flesh out the concept of duty, but don't um, over this episode. So, here we go. Let's dive in. What's a moment for you that really uh, leaps out to you in terms of duty in this episode? Uh, well, this is going to be really, really shallow, I think, in, in, in the, the sense, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm an action movie, action scene kind of guy. Mm. I love that. I live for that stuff. Those movies are what, I mean, I just love that. And, and seeing the battle with the magma titan um and seeing uh sarai and amaya uh and the other queens but just working together to fight this thing and i look i think back how much did they train when they were younger and uh to be warriors and the i don't know if that's duty so much but they're there and they have a job to do and it is their duty to um bring this thing down so it doesn't kill all of them and then, of course, there's the end results. They need its heart. But uh, for me, that was that was the standout. Yeah, they're doing their job. Get this thing done. And it just also looked really cool. So, yeah, I think that's probably a better example. But that's mine. Well, I, 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 I'm going to lean on that example, too. But I, I might like just what happens if I shift it a little bit this way. And, and, and I think what it is, I talked about uh, in episode one this season, skill. And I, I think we have a duty as, as humans to use the gifts and skills that we cultivate and develop over the course of our lives, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and in service of others. And I think that Amaya and Sarai have developed these skills and honed them over time. And because of that, they have this duty to, to utilize them for the greater good and what they perceive to be the greater good. And I, and I think that that's exactly what's happening, right? We see prodigious skill here from them uh, being wielded for the sake of uh, hundreds of thousands of people, right? And yeah, I just like you and and with acting, I think that when we have meaningful work, I think you spoke about that last week, right? Cultivating meaningful work. That's right. I, I think that we have a duty to lean into our gifts and use our gifts for meaningful work. So yeah, I think that's very tied to duty. And I think that there, that scene is super neat. And one, it's also animated really well. I just, I, it's really good. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that it's interesting to kind of lean into, uh, do we have a duty to utilize our life? Like what's your, like, 
I have that perspective. I think that we are, we should, you know, use our gifts to better serve the world. But I also think that, you know, we need to take advantage of what makes us, we don't need to live for the world. Also, we, we have a, it is radical self-care to live for yourself and make decisions for yourself. And so maybe duty is an interesting word because when does that, where's the boundary between serving the world and serving ourselves? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there, there's a responsibility in there as well. Um, you know, some people, some people are best served by just spending their money, mm. put my money towards this. And this will help people. Yeah. I don't have any discernible skills or a skill set that can do this for people. Or I do, but I have skill sets, but I can't use it on the grand scheme to help a, a majority or a larger group of people. But you can pull that back and go, my immediate family. I've got skill sets to help my family um, because this is just as important. In my world, these three people who I live with are just as important as more important than this greater group of people. And does that sound selfish? Mm. Well, maybe, but that's where my responsibilities lie. And I have that duty to uphold those responses. And this is, this is something I am telling my children literally every day as they get older, because they're teenagers. You have responsibilities. No mm. one's going to do these things for you. It is your responsibility. It's your duty to follow through with these. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes but do the job you're supposed to do. It will benefit you. It will benefit other people. And that is up to you. So, uh, you know, we learn about, we try and learn that every day and uh, it's, it's hit or miss sometimes, but um, sure. there's that larger picture, helping people on a grand scale, or like you said, that responsibility of just taking care of yourself and yours. Yeah. I, uh, the, the way you were talking reminded me of an image that I kind of want to see if I can, I don't know if it's possible to, translate via podcast, but I'm going to, it's a thought, right? Mm -hmm. So if you imagine a flashlight on a table mm -hmm. on, and so that the lens is facing the tabletop, the, if it's right up close, you're not going to, there's not going to be, it's not going to light up the room because it's so focused on that one spot, but that one spot is getting a whole lot of light. Yeah. And that light has a capacity to light the room, but because of the way that it is currently being used, it is only lighting up that one spot. Right. And so when, do we have a duty to reallocate that space? Cause if we lift that just an inch, a whole lot more light gets out. It's still not lighting up the room, but it's lighting up a whole lot more. And then if you lift it up even higher, but the problem with that is the higher we lift up that light, the more diluted that light becomes. And it's interesting because I think that some of us, frankly, are, are brighter than others. And I say that in terms of like, for instance, skill, some of us have greater skills and assets in certain areas than others. And so that's a really concentrated light. And if you lift it up, the higher you go, you're able to illuminate more. And so I, I guess my, my question is, are we, do we have a duty to use that light, if you will? Uh, to its greatest potential, or is are we just fine taking care of our little corner of the world? Does that make sense? It does. Um, I think that I think what I how I look at that is, can I achieve greatest potential? 
I, there is a great potential mm. for certain skills, but am I able to achieve that without hurting myself? Or... Running out of batteries. Yeah, exactly. That's right. To use that. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I, you know, I personally, I have these dreams of using my skills to do great things for people, but uh, let's use someone who has a different skill. Can they afford monetarily or in their, in their day-to-day schedule, um, their, where they're at in their life? Can they afford the time and, or the money to use those skills in a greater capacity? So mm. there is potential for the, the capacity of that skill to be used, but can they do it? Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's a big question that we all face. Should we? Yes. Should we be sitting on our skills that could help other people? Absolutely not. So this is fascinating. There has to be moderation. To to tie this to the episode, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this. So what I'm, what I'm hearing in this conversation right now is we need to find the boundary line between, uh, our sense of duty and our belief that we quote should do something, mm-hmm. uh, utilize our skill and then our capacity to deliver. And so there, the, like the more we do, the less capacity we have. Right. And so where is that line in terms of sustainability? And so when you think about that with Veer in here, I get really intrigued because we, we know over the course of watching these three seasons that Viren is, his body is taking a toll via his use of dark magic. And we see that even in Claudia later on in the season, right? And so knowing that with hindsight, um, is Viren overstepping his capacity in order to do, achieve what he perceives is his duty? What are your thoughts on that? Well, if we focus this in on this very episode, um, we see that he knows what he needs to do and he can do it, but there are certain things that he cannot do um, Mm -hmm. that involve, you know, we've done this thing, but we've got to get out of here because if this dragon comes, we can't, we can't fight this thing. And he tries. And there's that point where he realizes it's a failure where he he's tried, he's tried something and it doesn't work. Uh, so I'm just being very particular with what we see in the, in this season, in this episode, of course. Um, overall, do I think he's overstepping? No, I think he's just very, uh, I think he thinks many, many steps ahead and like a chess player and he can, he, he's not, it's just not, it's not just uh, these, um, dreams these wispy dreams that he's got i'm going to do this and this i think he's got a plan Mm. but he understands i think he understands where his weaknesses are but not all the time yeah he can certainly he can certainly overreach interesting um yeah i don't don't know how much duty plays into that though because i think he certainly can be blinded by certain aspects and that throws duty out the window sometimes interesting yeah, and I guess that's an interesting point too, because uh, one could argue that you know to do good is the the regent's duty, and I guess that's the question: is does Viren see what he is doing as uh, as his duty, 
and I'm hearing from you, maybe not. Or does he see, you know, it as bypassing his duty in order to achieve? I see. I, um, no, I think he sees that as his duty. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. you said to do good. Um, is killing a magma titan to save hundreds of thousands of people a good thing? Well, it's not good to kill something, but it is for the greater good. It is for yeah. the good of people. So if that's his duty, I'm going to save people no matter what. Means justify yes. the means. But that goes throughout the seasons. Mm -hmm. I will sacrifice all of this stuff. Exactly. Greater good of my kingdom. Yep. And does he see it that way? Yeah, this is my duty and it is good. Yeah. Because it's not bad to save your kingdom. It's, if it's a black and white, then it's a good thing. Exactly. And that's where we get a little, mm, Ooh. yeah, that's, that's definitely a gray area, pal. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where like the ethical responsibility, um, frankly ends do not always justify means and there are some people who would argue that it does but that is like it's too narrow of an ethical framework right but if we only operate in the opposite which is only like the the end or the means to get there are the only thing that matter right right we need good means to get to the end that we need and so that also doesn't always work as an ethical framework right and so we need to have a pluralistic ethical framework, but what that does is it creates a lot of gray area <laughs> yeah. and people don't like gray area. People like it's, it is harder to give due diligence to our sense of duty when we have to think so hard about what the right thing is. Um, One of the issues though, is that uh, people can be, I'm not speaking of anyone in particular here, but just there are people and I'm sure it's can be me as well, who we look at certain gray areas and we go, well, that's unacceptable. Yeah. This is a black and white, but I can 100% guarantee never, not meeting every single person on this planet. I can 100% guarantee that every single person on this planet has gray areas. Yes. And it's, you know, you might as well be looking in a mirror, look in a mirror and say, oh, are you've got these gray areas and th that's unacceptable. Well, we've all got them. And yet we feel the freedom to spout out online anonymously. How dare you say this? This is not right. Well, look at yourself first. Look at what you're dealing with and what you deem okay to that other people wouldn't. But, you know, you're not going to just lay that stuff bare. It's so much easier just to blame. Yeah. When you have a duty to follow through in your own life on certain things that you, you know, you wouldn't necessarily agree with or other people wouldn't agree with you, but it's a, it's a real back and forth that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I have a moment for us. Um, I'm interested in diving into this letter uh, that Harrow has left yep. in terms of, uh, in terms of duty. I think it's pretty fascinating to read in this lens and to hear this in terms of like, because normally you're just like, oh, God, this is really beautiful. But when you, <laughs> listen me, with yeah. sense, when you listen with duty as your lens, all of a sudden it's like, wow, what does it mean to be a leader? And what does it mean to also be a parent? And what does it mean to, how does our duty shift when we're 
talking to one of our stepchildren instead of uh, our biological children or an adopted child instead of, you know what I mean? And so like, how does this duty ebb and flow when we're in with how we speak to and how we nurture our children? Mm-hmm. And one of the lines that he uses is we have to reject history as a narrative of strength and instead act on act in our lives using a narrative of love. And I'm paraphrasing. And age not being a factor, I wonder how much of this letter um, would be different if he were writing to Ezrin. You know, um, right. what are your thoughts on that? How, like, how, what is the, the duty we have to nurture and love someone who we may not be biologically attached to, but we love just as dearly? Right. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't speak as someone who has biological children, mm-hmm. but I can say that, uh, you know, I believe with my whole heart that these are my children. And I love them uh, to the core with my entire being. Uh, and I don't see them as uh, they were adopted. I adopted them, but they are not my adopted children. They are my children. Yeah. And I see uh, in Harrow, I see that it could have been written so differently. It could have been, they could have gone a whole lot deeper with this, but what the, the dialogue they gave him, the, it, it, there's some real strength in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some re- this really just strong you are my son yes yes and once you get past that to answer your question once you get past that you are not my adopted son or my stepson you are my son I think everything else is going to come out the same if this letter were to Ezra right it's uh let's get past this part that you may have had doubts you may have had fears yes and I had, you know, I didn't address this when I should have. I should have told you this more. I should have held you more. I sh- but please know, I love you as much as I love Ezrin. And now here's more information. I think Ezrin would have gotten all the same info. Yeah, I, I, I think that the worry when people don't have a blood tie is that they, they, there is more likelihood or more possibility that you can be rejected. But I, I find that all of the, my, all of the people, all of the stakeholders, the people that I've looked after, all of the children that I've, that I've worked with over time, I find that I'm closer with many of them than many of my blood relatives. Right. And it's one of those things where I, I think people both overestimate the weight of relationship and underestimate it as well. And what I mean by that is, but they're not your kids is like that. Well, no, they are my kids. Right. (laughs) And so like, it's one of those things where it's all a matter of perspective. And I think it's going back to what Sarai talked about last episode, I think where she, you know, is seeing the image of humanity in the magma Titan and asking these questions. And when we allow our sense of duty to be tainted by what is and what is not just like when we allow our sense of parenthood to be tainted by what what is and what is not all of a sudden 
we are able to talk our talk ourselves into a narrative of like, but oh, but my biological child is more important than my child. When really, like, we're all people and we all have human connections. And I think sometimes those arbitrary things, like you know, blood, seems to have way more sway over us than perhaps is necessary. I don't know how I, how to like word what I'm thinking there, but it, it just sounds, I think the world would be better off if we created less boundary around like what family is because there's chosen family can be just as important, if not more important than, and that not just talking about children, but like chosen family in terms of our, our friendships of, of people. And um, I'm specifically thinking of like the LBGTQ community who often have to, are forced to find chosen family because their biological family rejects their belief systems. And so there's just a lot to be said for our duty as people towards other people than what some people believe our duty is because of false uh, because of yeah. um, Narratives. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So I was, no, 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 go ahead. Tell me more. I think I was just recapping really for myself as well. Just the, the point of the letter was to impart wisdom, but it really was also a, to say what he did not say in person, which is kind of what you just said, no matter what, and to, to, to make Callum feel loved and to feel it was a love letter to his son yes exactly right yeah and i think we don't do that enough especially men like y'all like let's uh lean into that vulnerability more listen to harrow this is like Mm. this is like every man should watch this episode and hear his (laughs) and understand that vulnerability isn't weakness but it's it's strength right um and that's exactly what he's trying to rewrite the history of as a narrative of strength versus a narrative of love and vulnerability rather it's not either or it's that vulnerability and love is strength yeah and changing that that narrative so that we can have a better sense of what that duty looks like for our people yeah um which if we go into anya here at the end um she talks about uh, like it may have been, it may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. And when like Viren starts to finishes this story about her, her parents and Anya has this duty where she's able to hold this story of huge emotional weight. Right. Um, and um, like hear it and be very compassionate towards it and also say, but I'm still not doing it. Even though my parents made this decision to save a hundred thousand people, Anya is able to say my duty is to my kingdom and to the greater good. And so I'm not going to send millions of people when yes, the story we do owe you, but we don't owe you that much. And to like be able to sit back and live in that, commitment to her duty there is again well beyond what many many adults are capable of yeah 
uh, yeah, I won't. Uh, yeah, I'll have something to say about that, but I'm not going to just yet. I don't want to jump the gun. I know we've got, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's very dutiful of her. Let me say that it's very dutiful of her, and it's a fantastic. Uh, um, it's a fa it's a really wonderful for me, um, example of what duty is. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about what's your next moment. What's a moment for you that um, we want to touch on next? A next moment. Yeah, moment of duty. Uh, in the in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, okay, I don't want to go too far because, uh, you know, I know we've got certain sections that we go, you know, one section at a time, of course, but, uh, that is really the big, I loved playing it out mm -hmm. as, as the actor playing the antagonist, so to speak, you know, in a way, but man, I, I loved, and I'm just going to stick with this. I, I loved, uh, Anya's uh, just that fortitude to listen and to not be argumentative, to just listen to what he had to say and say, this was a very special, this is very special. And I appreciate that. And I, I love who my parents were, even though I never met them. And I agree with you, they would definitely join you, but I will not. Mm. And just to be, to not be overwhelmed. Yeah. Emotion and not, and not to be driven by that. And that is exactly where Viren wanted to take her. I will overwhelm her with the emotion and she'll make a choice based on her heart and mission accomplished. And she says, no. And he's like, what? <laughs> All of this for nothing? Yeah. Right? Uh, <sighs> man, I love that. He got put in his place and I just love that so much. That moment's really fascinating in terms of his reaction because he was, he was sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And like, he's like, I got her. This is, we're, we're good after this. And as soon as I, the, the transition from cool, calm and collected to enraged yeah. was like this. Throwing a tantrum. Well, it was, um, I, I find that really representative because people who are certain are much more likely to react when right that gets uprooted and upended, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't, we didn't have, like, there was no imagining that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> and so right. like, it was like, no, I've got it. And we're going to move on and I have everything that I need. And then that expectation was completely uprooted. And when that happens, we are like, he immediately went into blame and threaten. That's right. Right. Because he was like, I have nothing else in my toolbox. I, I didn't realize I was going to, this wasn't going to work. And like, I didn't plan for that move. Right. Mm -hmm. In terms of chessboard, he just got checked and he wasn't expecting it. Um, or at least had one of his knights removed, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm curious about when we have a, a compelling sense of duty, when we think something as important as the, the well-being of an entire kingdom is on the line, right? The weight and burden of that duty can affect our, our sense of values, right? When, when we have so much on our plate that we like, I have to do this, we become more and more willing to sacrifice in other areas to achieve a mean, like to achieve a goal. Yeah. Um, and so I think my question is, what is the burden of, of duty and how do we grapple with that burden? 
Does that make sense? It does. And I think it, uh, I'd like to think that we have of those of us who are <laughs> here. I am, I'm, I'm being very divisive, divisive here. There's those of us who see that duty and we are on the side of logic and morality. And then, you know, I'm just thinking about Twitter, social media in the last year yeah. dealing with the pandemic, dealing with what the, the state of the government in, in the U S yeah. um, and dealing with, uh, zealots and factions and uprisings and stormings of the capital and how we see what is right and what is wrong versus what other people see what is right and what is wrong and how I can sit and go well they are absolutely wrong and it is my duty to get on Twitter and tell them yeah and what is our actual duty mm, what action should we be taking and am I wrong yeah. Oh, maybe I've been, or am I right? Maybe I've been wrong this whole time. Right. And so I think it's constantly shifting. There is a right and a wrong in certain, in certain things. Yes. Um, sure. And you and I can agree on that. And maybe we disagree on certain things as well, which I think right. is so fantastic, but there are people who are just blatantly wrong. Mm -hmm. except to them and the people who believe what they believe. And I think that that's, that's a question. Like what is our responsibility? What is our duty when it comes to making sure that there are seats at the table and who is invited? Right. Because mm -hmm. I think our sense of duty is we need to um, everyone deserves a seat at the table is a, a narrative that people will, will say. Right. And, and then we need to realize that, hold on, who does not deserve a seat at the table? Yeah, there are people who don't. And the people who don't deserve at the table, a seat at the table, are the people who put humanity of others on the line. Yeah. Um, and so when my humanity is negotiable, I am no longer willing for you to have a seat at the table. <laughs> right? right? And so that's the difference is when we hear these, these different sides and factions, if you will, say, well, like, you're not even willing to listen. I'm like, well, that's because you're a Nazi. You don't deserve a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that we have a duty to, to maintain the humanity in others. And anything that bypasses that gets the, the ixnay on our need to feel dutiful towards it yeah i agree at least that's one line that's one barrier or boundary there are others right but um that's a that's a big one that i'm not i don't know that i'm willing to negotiate <laughs> i agree with you yeah oh man okay so there are many other examples of duty in this uh potentially one more from my end is this moment with sarai where, you know, Viren goes back and is like, I'm going to help the Queens because this is, it's, this is my mess. I'm going to go help. I can help. And he goes back and tries to help um, the Queens of Durin. And then Sarai gets, they get to the border and she's like, this was all for nothing unless Viren's able to, to use this and make oh. it worth it. And it's interesting because these are the moments where I don't think anyone would fault her if they all crossed the border 
to save themselves from this giant terrorist of a dragon that's you know not, it's a not a terrorist of a dragon but to them it's terrorizing them yeah. and yet she has this sense of duty that says i can i have the capacity to help and so i'm gonna and so what do you do with that that's that's so hard I've always wanted to know what, well, I, mean, I can put it into words now that we're talking about duty. What was, what was Harrow's sense of duty there? Because it, yes, he, he doesn't need, his wife doesn't need protecting. She can, she can take we, care of herself. That she is better than he is on the battlefield. Yeah. But as her husband, is it not, does he not feel that duty of, I need to go in instead of her because I want her to be safe? I know she can hold hold her own, but it's that it has nothing to do with his desire to make sure his wife is safe and put her out of harm's way. But he doesn't even there's none of that. He's like, "What are you saying? You're going to go?" She goes, "I'm going to go." Okay, there's no. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. You take this and be safe. But you know, he's not not in a sense of diminishing her power or her um, her abilities because he can't. We already know she is, she's badass and she can take care of herself, but for sure his duty plays out. I need to take care of my kingdom. I need to make sure this happens for my kingdom and I'm going to let you go. So I think that's the question is when we have competing priorities, Mm -hmm. how do we parse out where our duty is most uh, needed, you know? And I think Sarai was able to say, Hey, there's a whole group of people that need you. She was able to see that. And so she's like, I'm going to go help over here. And Harrow is like, well, if you're going to go, then like, it's like, it's not like, no, you stay here. I'll go. It's, there is no, none of that back and forth. I think exactly what you said is that Harrow's duty is to his kingdom. And he's like, okay, I've, this is my priority right now. We have to cross the border. Um, I think it was great the way that was played out. And again, I'll go technical here. The way it was animated, the way there was pausing, we could yes. see on his face, he was weighing that stuff. And just like that, he went, all right, you go, I'll take care of this. Yeah. Right. But you could, I, you could see it and there's like, Oh, should I go? Should I, sh- she'll be fine. Right. Yeah. She'll be fine. Yeah. I can take care of this. My kingdom needs me. Okay. And just to see all that in like a couple seconds of facial expression and the way the lines were delivered, uh, it's really wonderful. For sure. For sure. Well, it's, and it's interesting because we know that he regrets this for the rest of his, for the rest of his life. And it's one of those things where we are all going to have to make game time decisions in, in the, in the moment and we're going to make mistakes. Right. But our duty is to do our best with the information that we have at the time. And I think a lot of people um, live in these decisions that we make and ruminate over what we should have done or could have done differently when we did our best with the information we had at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think part of our duty in terms of character formation for others is to give ourselves grace in those moments when we made a mistake, right? And showing people what it's like to to live with a mistake, right? 
And that's so hard. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> no, no, no. It is definitely not easy. No. But if you're not getting that from other people, uh, and we don't often yeah. get that grace from other people, even though they make the same kind of mistakes in their own life, we have to, we have, to have that for ourselves. And, and no, it's not easy. Well, and, and the way we learn it is from other, we don't learn it from other people giving it to ourselves, I don't think. And tell me if you disagree. I think we, we learn to give ourselves grace by seeing the people that we learn from and admire give themselves grace. Oh, uh, yeah, I know that makes sense. Right? Because it's, so it's like, for instance, if a mom is, uh, a, a kid spills milk on the ground and mom is like, oh no, honey, it's okay. We can clean up spilled milk. It's not a problem. Don't worry. We all make mistakes. But then mom spills milk on the ground and says, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I did that. The, the kid is going to remember the fact that mom is, you know, cussing herself out, not the fact that, oh, we may all make mistakes. Don't worry. Right. The, the larger, the, the lesson that is being taken away is we cannot love others more. This is a controversial statement. We cannot love others more than we love ourselves. Because the way that we treat ourselves is the way that we build character in others. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And that's a pretty controversial Brene Brown take. Um, and I, I have to say it's really compelling and I, I think I agree with it. Hmm. Something to think about. I mean, there's lots of uh, stuff in there I relate to. I'm very difficult on myself in front of my children. I make a mistake on something. It's, ah, oh, you idiot. And I know they take that away with yeah. that. Uh, you know, but I try my hardest when they make a mistake to go, hey, you fail. Don't, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. And then in the next breath, oh, why am I such a dummy? I should know better. <laughs> so yeah, it's this real stark difference. And what are they walking away with besides confusion? <laughs> and it's one of those things where like, I don't think, I think when I say love, what happens is that, a lot of parents, if not most, will say, no, I love my kids way more than I love myself. But I think your feelings aren't what carries over to them. It's your actions and That's your display. You know, yeah. And your it's that so the things that you are doing to you and the way that you talk about you is what they see in the lesson. That's where they learn from. And I think that's why it's such a terrifying concept to think that we have to love ourselves enough to love our kids as much as we actually feel for them, mm. you know? And it's not just our kids. It's like the people around us and our closest people. friends and our, like everybody within our, our reach. Right. Um, but yeah. And it, it's really interesting because I think that that's something that I really appreciate uh, going to the drag gang for a second. I really appreciate from all three of the, the trio in terms of Rayla as Anne Callum, they all, like we see Callum uh, after reading this letter kind of like live into how he's able to treat himself. And he immediately is able to treat Ezrin better. He immediately goes and hugs Ezrin because he has a sense of like, I, I am loved. I can't like, I am loved. I am worth it. And then he is able to love Ezrin more. And I think that's an example, right? It's one of those things where when we feel loved, when we are loved, we are better equipped to love others, which I find really fascinating. So in terms of like duty, our duty is to make people feel loved. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I just, and it's really interesting how Viren taps into that with Anya, right? He says, your parents would be proud, like leaning into doing what a dutiful parent should be doing and saying, Anya, you're in this leadership position. You are, you are the bee's knees, right? And then that didn't work as a rhetorical device. It worked in terms of like, she took away that loving feeling and that pride. And I think that she was just like, but I'm not convinced by your your argument yet. It's just interesting to think about how, again, duty and emotions with Anya and kind of circling back to the very beginning of our conversation, it seems that she is able to hold both at the same time. Yeah. Right. Cause she's crying in this moment saying I've, I've missed them. It's, it hurts to miss them. And here's my logic and being able to hold duty and emotion together seems like a, a pretty um, sweet goal to aim for. <laughs> yeah. I think people would, I think people would look at it as a, a very mature, maybe label it as a, Oh, that's a mature outlook or that's a mature way to approach that. Yeah. When, you know, many adults don't have that. Not that they don't have that maturity, but maybe the the hindsight or the insight, rather. For sure. See it that way. It's one or the other. Mm. Okay. Are uh, there any other big moments of duty that we missed that we need to make sure we talk about before we go to our next segment? No, I think I've covered the ones that I uh, that stuck out to me. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, the other, the, the only thing that I think we didn't really touch on was just the, the fact that, you know, the trio feels this immense sense of duty to deliver Zim to Zadia. Right. Right. It's just, that is what's driving them. We have like, it's our responsibility. We have to do this. And so it's interesting to see how that interplays. Yeah. But we can't talk about everything because then we'd be here forever. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take a short musical interlude. We'll come back and we will do our couple final couple of segments and that'll be the end. <laughs> I'm going to had a nice little musical interlude and now we're coming back and different this episode we have uh since we have jason we want to take advantage we want to do a, a spiritual practice that we have not been able to do yet this season that we want to try with all of you to see how you fare with it and see how jason fares with it so this is a uh a traditionally a christian judeo-christian practice that goes back it's called floralegia and it's a practice of pulling uh, sparklets 
from the text in this case, the, the script, right? And identifying something that sparkled to you and figuring out what about that sparkled to you? Why did you pick that quote? And then I will do the same. And then what we'll do is we'll put them in conversation with one another and see what we can learn from those two sparklets when put together. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I don't know if the, the line that sticks out to me the most is, uh, I don't know how it's going to fare in this, but uh, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's see what happens, right? Yeah. All right. So uh, your one line, tell me about what is the, the quote that you want to use for yeah. exercise. It's really comprised of three sentences that are very, very short. Mm -hmm. This very quick moment at the very end, which to me had so much power, but also so much, so much disappointment, so much mm -hmm. failure after two episodes of trying to convince these people um, it is all for naught. And uh, Viren says to them, he calls them, he calls Alling Al a coward and he calls them traitors. He says, coward, traitors, each of you standing here today, you betray humanity. Each. That's the line. Wow. That's I mean, a that's loaded. And then mine is, it may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. Interesting. Okay. It may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. And yours is obviously from Viren, right? So this is at the end of the episode. The Pentarchy has said, no, thank you. And, <laughs> yeah. and now he goes, coward, traitors. And then he finishes that line. And so it may seem strange to miss someone I've never known is Anya, who has just heard this powerful story about her parents and their sacrifice. And she's talking about how she never knew them, but she still misses them anyway. And I thought that was just a really beautiful moment to like, cause thinking about missing people I've never known and, you know, feeling grief about what could have been if I did. And I think that's just such a real thing that people often, often don't think about. And so that's why it kind of stuck out to me as a really powerful line. Yeah. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we have a sense of like these two sparklets, why they spoke to us. But now what we want to do is put them in conversation with one another. So I'm going to read mine and then you're going to read yours. And we're going to see how, when we put them next to each other, they affect the reading and then we will reverse it. Does that sound good? Sure. All right, so mine first. It may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. Coward, traitors, each of you standing here today, you betray humanity. Wow, okay. And when I hear these two together, what I'm noticing is when we, what I'm thinking about is when we're missing someone, when we are in that vulnerable, vulnerable place of feeling grief and missing a loved one, especially someone I've never known, how easy it is and how like fragile it is to go immediately to this place with Viren where it's coward traitors. Each of like, it may seem strange to miss. And now I just had a vulnerability hangover. And then I go straight to coward <laughs> traitor. Mm. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about the fragility of missing someone. I guess the vulnerability of it. That's what comes right. to my mind. What, what about you when you hear these two lines together? 
Yeah, I see. I I I hear I hear honesty with the first line, with Anya's line. I hear this honesty that I can relate to and I can sympathize with, and then I hear this honesty that is not meant as honesty, but we see true colors coming out, and it's breaking so, of the damn honesty. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you don't mean to be so pathetic, but you sound pathetic, and we can see your fear and your anger coming out. I can see it and hear it. And it makes me sad. It makes two, two kinds of sadness. I see, see this sadness of, I've never met these people who were my parents. And I just go, oh, that is so sad, but it's such a touching moment versus mm. you are a sad figure right now because you are losing control. Yeah. You know, it, it's like leaning in this a little bit further. It, it reminds me of, so Brene Brown talks about how, um, vulnerability being the birthplace of all of the positive emotions, but also all of the negative emotions. Hmm. And what we see in these two lines is in this setting is that it's this chosen vulnerability of like, it may seem strange to miss someone I've never known this courageous vulnerability of, if you will, to then shifting to this fear of vulnerability that is driving this response. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting little way to think about that for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Viren would ever want to be vulnerable in front of anyone, especially a 12 year old child. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So to have him, have himself called out like that is, I mean, that just sparks rage that he doesn't probably doesn't want to show, but it, there it is. Okay. All right, so that's iteration one. Now what we're going to do is we're going to read them in the opposite order and see if that changes uh, how we interpret um, them together. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, you're up. Coward, traitors, each of you standing here today, you betray humanity. It may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. Yeah, and instantly it's instantly it's a um, it's a rebuttal, but it's a very calm, level-headed. Um, you know, I, you can read into it a bit more. Going, it may seem strange to you, yeah, for me to miss someone I've never known, and you may want to call me these names and may want to say these things about me, but you just don't get it. And right now, that's okay because this is how I feel. Yeah. So I, I'm imagining Viren saying both of these lines now. So coward, traitors, each of you standing here today to you betray humanity. Mm -hmm. It may seem strange to miss someone I've never known. And it makes me question what is, what is that that he's missing? And, and, and I'm curious, right? So Viren has a past, right? He has people that, and, and I'm, I'm kind of delivering here in a, in a way that people from our past could become something that we never will know because they are gone. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Viren has people in his life that he is lamenting over that uh, are no longer with us, that he never got to know who they could become or would become, you know? Yeah, I, even if I don't know who they are, I know that there are. There has to be. 
Yeah. He's not just a, a shell of a a man filled with rock and uh he has he's a human being and uh, he has to have those things. There has to be. Well, and Something. what this does is it humanize it feels like this iteration, saying them in this order, humanizes Viren a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is important when we're when we're working with you know the villain to kind of understand where is their humanity and how do we navigate it well that was day one <laughs> jumping into the character and it, it certainly changed there were iterations of him as we went along but that was really day one how do i make this guy not the cardboard cutout how do i make him yeah not just the every episode the guy who's dastardly and trying to do bad he's got to have humanity mm-hmm. or it's not worth it absolutely okay uh, so this kind of has been our Florilegia experience and the kind of the final question that we would ask and after going through this process is to say, after going through this, um, is there anything that we see differently or a question that we're leaving with or an action that we're intending to do based off of our, our having this conversation around these two lines? Um, and, and I think for me, one of my, my takeaway points is kind of leaning into when I am starting to go into the coward traders uh, monologue in my own head, yeah. uh, being like, okay, let's breathe and figure out where that vulnerability is coming from and asking what's at stake and how do I lean into a more courageous version of it. I think that's kind of where my mind went. Um, do you, and if you, if you have nothing, that's totally cool, but I'm curious, uh, are, what, what's something, a question you're walking away with or potentially a, something we learned from this conversation? Well, it doesn't, there's nothing new that pops up and I don't mean that in a, you know, this wasn't worthwhile, uh, but it does solidify to me, uh, just that sort of unstable ground as, as um, dramatic and the control that he had over his storytelling, which, you know, he's a, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. And he can sway people, but it crumbles instantly in that last moment. Mm. True colors are shown like his, you know, it's a, uh, well, fine. You'll see, and you'll get yours as yeah. opposed to together. We can do this all together as friends and yay. And that was all a, maybe it wasn't a sham, but you know what he was thinking. They better do this or else. Yeah. And yeah. that all comes to light instantly in that last line. And it falls apart. And he falls apart. Yeah. Okay. Which I loved. Which I loved. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, speaking of going to the technical stuff, masterful work. Uh, very, very convincing on screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay, that brings us to our lens MVP. And so again, our lens today is duty. And I'd love to hear your nomination. And again, we'll see if we can get a, a Twitter poll here, figuring out uh, between our nominations who we think deserves the award. But let's hear your nomination first. Yeah, mine is mine is Anya. Sweet. Just hands down. She, she has that right from the very beginning She's not swayed. She's not, she knows what she believes and she listens. Mm. She listens to the story. She's able to take it in without, uh, without, without any sort of a, yeah, but 
it's just, this is a beautiful story about my parents and I love hearing it, even if it's from this guy, but he wants me to do something that I'm not willing to do. And it is my duty to think this through and to hear all the facts and to weigh my options. And that's just very clear all the way through. 100%. I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. I'm going to nominate uh, Viren for this. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the reason is, I think that duty has a massive uh, clutch. He, duty is clutching Viren's throat, and I think it is strangling him. Um, and I think, yes, he is masterfully navigating this, this tech, this tactical work. He's playing chess, but it's all, I, I believe, I, I don't know, but I believe it is all from this true sense of duty and desire to serve the country and to, to be the leader that, you know, you know, I just, I feel like he's telling himself a story that is strangling him. And I, so it's a, I'm, I'm nominating him because I think he is dominated the most by his sense of duty as skewed as it may be. That's a good take. I'm, I don't disagree with any of that. Well, you heard it from Jason himself, folks. If you want to vote for me and, or rather Viren. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you certainly can, but it's, it's between Anya who is, Certainly dutiful for sure. And <laughs> on, on the polls this week. So make sure you check it out. Yeah, uh, go vote. Yeah, for sure. And that brings us to our final segment, which is our gratitude, 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 gratitude. And so rather than kind of um, making a defense, instead, we're kind of just saying, this is the, this is the character that taught me something. This is the character that makes me feel a certain way that I'm grateful for. And I'm going to, again, tossing it to you. Who, who is a character in this episode that you are grateful for? Well, you know, I know it's sort of, uh, he, he, the, the, he's a humorous character, but he's got these nuggets of gold that you can just take and apply to your own life. It's uh, Vilas, the, the, the captain of the ship and just uh, his little moment of clarity yeah. between talking to his, to his, to his parrot and spouting off ridiculousness about socks and water, but using that, the metaphor uh, or is it an analogy? I can never remember, you know, um, there's just this clear, there's this clarity there and Rayla sees it a hundred percent. She sees how that applies to her life. It's not a story. It's not a, a riddle, a parable. It's just this very clear, do this and you know, you, you'll have a better outlook or you'll have, your life will be better or whatever it is. Uh, and that's sort of thing that just sort of, uh, that anchored it for me. Yeah. So very short scenes with that, with that character, but I love that character very much. I love the way Peter plays him um, because that is, uh, that's a great deal of it to me. Yeah. Goofiness. And then he's able to bring that down and in character, give us this beautiful moment of, hey, be you, look where you need to go. You will be exactly where you need to be. Yeah. That says a lot for the group of kids on their travels. For sure. The people in power trying to do right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So it, it, uh, it says a lot to me. 
Yeah, it's definitely a standout little little narrative about the the river and our capacity to just ride along and just mm-hmm. accept ourselves and be authentic. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm glad you looked that up because we didn't really talk about it. So for me, I am grateful for Harrow. And it's for the reasons we've already talked about. Like his this letter to Callum is just really touching in every sense of the, it's just gorgeous. It's um everything I would want to hear from a fatherly figure. Um, and I just I'm grateful that children who are watching the show are able to see that and hear that and know what that and and to to see that modeled so that they can know that to build awareness that, Hey, I'm getting that. Hey, I'm not. And then that's really beautiful. Like, because this, you deserve it. You deserve that kind of love. Um, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for that modeling. Uh, wonderful, wonderful writing. Yeah. Oh, and that brings us to the end of another episode. <laughs> well, Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. You've been here for two weeks straight. You've been <laughs> with me and let's talk about all the time and the recording. Just man, lots of excellent conversations, wisdom to learn from you. It's just been a, a wonderful experience. Well, on the flip side, though, I, I've spent a lot of time in these episodes. I've watched them all many times, of course, worked on it. And I've talked about all this stuff with people. But when I come on here with you, um, I... I, you open up an awful lot of deeper, there's a lot of deeper meanings, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that just resonates differently when I hear your thoughts on it and you ask some, well, deep probing yeah. <laughs> questions, right? You ask some stuff that really means something. So that's, uh, it's always my pleasure to explore these that, that way with you. Well, thank you. It's been yeah. tremendous joy for not just me, but I'm, I'm, certain that our listeners are enjoying this as well so thank you thank you thank you thank you again everyone you can find us at bnb underscore pod on twitter instagram facebook tiktok we have tiktok stuff and my co-host does a lot of star wars content too if that's something that's up your alley um but also we have jason simpson who has at a boy simpson mm-hmm. for twitter and then on instagram simpstagrams uh for his handles um what else do we need what else do we want to take away from you do you have any final words final words of wisdom no i've got no wisdom (laughs) (laughs) well there you have it folks no wisdom except for all of the wisdom we got to hear throughout the episode uh thanks for everyone listening and until next time be well and do good 